It's August 20th, 2019, and this is Diz Podopolis, where we talk about Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and everything in between. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep in dreams you will lose your heartaches whatever you wish for you keep have faith in your dreams and someday your rainbow will come shining Another edition of Diz Podopolis, and this is episode 24. Um, we've been, it's been an interesting summer. We've been kind of like a little more busy than we thought we would, but by golly, it's August and we're, we are on it again. So, and so school. school yes, is, yes. <laughs> school is upon us again School also. is upon us. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh boy. It's a little crazy. And Fiona is swimming through the water. In her Alice in Wonderland dress. You want to say help, good, oh. good morning or good night? Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we're not talking about Alice in Wonderland tonight, but we are talking about one hour in Wonderland tonight. And some of you may be familiar with that, and some of you may not be familiar with that. And uh, that was uh, Walt's foray into television the first time he did that. But before we get into that, Ryan, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hi, how are y'all doing? Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're just kind of, we took a little bit of a break and now we'll be back. Uh, we just had a super busy summer. Yes, and Ryan has so. a new job at the same school district. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Going to be in charge of science curriculum and instruction this year. Yep, so he's going to make us all a little bit smarter. Than we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I'll try. <laughs> and my name is Colleen. So and welcome y'all, uh, y'all for joining us. Hey, I got y'all in there. Excellent, Texas. Well, hey. the the hello I, I tried to do was was from. Uh, I keep I, I keep getting some versions of of like this YouTuber stampy long nose in my head. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what do they do? They go swimming through the water as fish? <laughs> as dolphins. In the game oh, dolphins. All yeah. right, cool. But, but, but yeah, yeah, people, and, and I know, te- and I know teenagers just, just want to do, just want to do YouTube all, all day, these, sum- these summer days. Oh, in the summer, yes, you've been doing a little bit of YouTube this summer. Oh, he does Minecraft. Gotcha. Yeah, but he has he has been seen in television programs such as CBC and Disney. All right, so that's the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Network and Disney. So yes, real quick. Um, so on the Disney Channel, they actually have a show where uh, you know these YouTube gamers they'll actually cut and edit part of their uh, YouTube session and put it into a show on the Disney Channel. But what he was on was. Um, gamers guide to oh okay he was but that's on disney xd and elias loves that show 
but was originally. But he, this what you're talking about, was actually on the Disney XD show Gamers Guide Which to Pretty I, Much Everything. I did not watch, sadly. No, we didn't. We didn't watch this, but this is actually uh, Cameron Boyce was on that and do you know he just yeah he just recently passed away which is very very sad from um yes, epilepsy very it, sad. it just feels mm-hmm. like it would never it never happened these years yeah Big tragedy it, it is it's very very sad um uh because you know i have a couple members in my family my mother's side of the family that uh had epilepsy or and i, I think you always have it you know there's they're on drugs some, I think some kids kind of outgrow it, but some have to t- take drugs into adulthood. And we have a couple of friends that have children that take drugs to manage their epilepsy. Hmm. And I guess maybe somebody will be planning some memorials for, 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 for these people someday. Well, I think talking about them right now is appropriate. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in his, in his memory, I watched it, uh, Descendants 3. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, he was a very talented young man. Probably gonna had a really bright future, great career ahead of him. It seemed like. Yeah, he was pretty positive and upbeat uh, guy. Um, I guess he's in his early twenties yeah. at this point. I mean, I've I've watched him since he was on Jesse, since the beginning of Jesse, because that's my kids were watching that on the Disney Channel. Yeah, and I watched Jesse with my sisters, so I was yeah. unfamiliar with him there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad they um, uh, that Disney, the Disney Corporation, didn't have the red carpet. I'm glad that they donated all that money to, I'm assuming, an epilepsy uh, foundation that that does research and education. Well, you know, just really feel for his family and his friends because that would be a very hard loss. It's a very sudden loss, so that'd be uh, that'd be hard. Yeah, and, and very unexpected because um, mm-hmm. you would think it would be managed and under control um, at, at that age, you know. But that's not necessarily true, uh, especially – and sometimes I think it's hard for kids growing up with something like that and having to always monitor yourself. Um, it, it, it's hard once you're on your own to monitor yourself. We had a neighbor up the street that had a son who had had asthma his whole life, but um, he was around the same age as Cameron Boyce, and he died from his asthma because he just wasn't taking care of himself like he should, you know, wasn't watching for the warning signs, um, and just was when in a situation where he was by himself. Um, I, I think he had a girlfriend at the time, but she wasn't there. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard thing to live with your whole life and always be able to monitor something that close when you get older, because you think you have it under control. Like he, you know, I'm sure the kid with asthma was like, oh, it's no problem, I know how to handle this, you know. But as I was gonna say, with, with, with Stampy, but, but, but it said he, he went to the series called Wonder Crass, and a script posit personality produced design to be used, to be used in classrooms, so I, 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 I think one of the reasons why I'm 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 liking Stampy because he just feels like a happy-go-lucky character in in my head. Oh, okay. okay. So we're back talking about um, is it Garrett? He plays Stampy Cat, and so he's now he does educational YouTube channels um, 
in collaboration with Maker Studios well, to help yeah, kids be- in the classrooms? Well, yeah, because well, well, he did say that he's he's getting even busier, so he's kind of taking a little break from from YouTube. Okay. But but still going to fit. Mm-hmm. But I I I do appreciate your memorial with what's his name. Cameron Boyce. With Cameron Boyce. Yeah. Fiona's not always super awesome with names, so sometimes she needs to well, hear them I'm, a couple I'm, times. I'm not, even though I'm not super awesome with, with nowadays Disney Channel as well. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't really watch the Maker's Guide show. Did you? Mm. Oh, not the Maker's Guide, the... Gamer's Guide. Gamer's Guide, yeah. Did you? You didn't watch... Yeah, you didn't watch that show. Yeah, well... Uh, but you watched all the Jesse episodes. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it will be surprising to to, to see to see um Gerald on on that on that show. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go back and watch some of those. Maybe they'll be on. Um, well, they might show them on Disney XD or on the new Disney Plus channel. They, they could. Yeah. But um, but I I don't think we need to be a little off off, off topic here. Okay. Oh, you want to get back on topic now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. So we ready for a question? Sure. So this this took me a worrying while to do this. To figure out our question, it did. It took us a good three to four days to figure out a question for for tonight's episode. Yeah. So I was, mom was all like, maybe it'll be simple as just say, what's your favorite Alice actor or character? But I just, I just couldn't couldn't handle the the, fav- the favorites right now. Gotcha. So, so when I did my my national parks, Katie did animation. And I just I just think what a, what advertisement animation would 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 help would help autismers. But I'm just like I was trying. I'm afraid people won't understand that. But with my mind programming with with Anna, animation, animation, and then back to me with school, I was just all like, if you can travel back in time for the wonderful world of Disney, what will be your own idea for an episode? Yes, and um, I believe you, Ryan, you grew up with Wonderful World of Disney, right? I did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we had the wonderful world of Disney. And Michael Eisner is who I remember most from the wonderful world of Disney. Once he once he came on board in like the eighties, he took over. Okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't. I watched those, but my earliest memories are, which was really odd, is seeing Walt on Sunday nights and and seeing the wonderful world of Disney. I'm not sure if they were reruns or rehashed or re, you know put together episodes um they re-ran those too yeah. yes absolutely and i remember seeing some of some with walt too uh on reruns especially when they went to the dis- created the disney channel mm-hmm. and then the disney channel would show the older episodes gotcha of the wonderful world of disney so yeah well yeah i did yeah i've i've seen those one was streaming with within like like Ma- Mathematic Land and World okay. of Color. Yeah, I think that was my first introduction to old uh, Mickey, Mo- uh, Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony shorts and uh, Fantasia. Because you would learn about, because I never really saw Fantasia all the way through, but I 
when you watch it, I'm like, oh, I know this. Oh, wait a minute, I know this. Wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> so they definitely reuse that a lot in the wonderful world of Disney. Okay, so who wants to start first on their um, new episode of Wonderful World of Disney? Do you want to go, Fiona? Well, I, I would say you would go. Oh, me? Okay, I get to go first. Mm. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Sounds excellent. <laughs> okay, so um, I am thinking, because I remember the Halloween episodes, I remember the Christmas episodes, and I remember the Valentine's Day episodes. And they may have had this, I just don't remember, but um, I would love to have like a spring slash Easter episode. And um, I think what I would love to see, so I pulled out some I got of, my perfect wardrobe. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, Fiona's dress is Alice in Wonderland tonight for our episode. So to start off, I'm thinking that we need to have some Bambi scenes and we need to have um, you can pick one of uh, one of these two. I'm good with either. Drip, drip, drop, little April showers, which is a beautiful, beautiful piece of animation. Or the very funny, the very enjoyable Twitter-painted moment, moments from Bambi <laughs> when spring is breaking through and everyone's um, coupling up, as it would be. <laughs> I love that. And then I would do Fantasia. And we definitely, for this, we have to go with some of the Nutcracker Sweets parts. Um, I think, is that when they ha they have the, um, what is it, like kind of like the dandelion seeds that are spinning and dancing? Uh, Remember um, what song that yes, is? Yes, the Nutcracker. The Russia yes. scene. Is that the Russian music? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, that's part of it, yes. Okay. Yeah. They had different parts to it, uh, different movements um, in there. But yes, uh, there was one where they had kind of the fairies that were that would kind of do frost. Um, then they mm -hmm. had one with the mushrooms, and they uh -huh. did a little dance. Then they had one with the thistles. Thistle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they had kind of some different movements in there for the Nutcracker Suite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did different, they did different, you know, usually it's like a Christmas take, but they did more, they did a little bit different take on it in Fantasia, yes. which I liked. It was unique. Yeah, very, I very, thought it very, was Very, very colorful and unique. Yeah, I loved how they used plants. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And so then we have to have my favorite, probably one of my favorite scenes in a Disney movie, the Tangled Lantern scene with a, um, um, at, at la was it at oh, so last I see the light? So it's mo modern mixture. Oh yeah, we gotta get some of that modern in there. Okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'll I'll take it. I'll take. It. I just last love. I see the light. Yeah, I love that lantern scene. It's beautiful. And then just for fun, because I really think this movie um, was one of those sleepers that just was amazing. Uh, the movie Enchanted. And I want to see the um, the park scene on how does she know? Because we got to get that reggae going in there, which <laughs> I love. And then, um, oh, the silly symphonies, flowers and trees. And then from the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, uh, the scene where Pooh Bear is dressed up like a little little black rain cloud and floating with a balloon. And then Mary Poppins is 
the holly jolly day with you. <laughs> now I'm just all like, <laughs> so pretty much Eclipse, you just made him like, like some, some crossover musical. Uh, yeah, I'm making a musical. Is that okay? Crossover. <laughs> but uh, I, when I saw that, I was like, I felt like you were doing some, some parade with with songs or something. Oh, oh, it's going to be a parade. We have a spring parade with this. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I didn't. And then I have to bring it back to Alice, right? You could. I, well, I or, could. Uh, okay. <laughs> you could. I could. Oh, I and I am. So, and then you have Alice singing A World of My Own. Cats and rabbits could reside in fancy little houses. Uh, <laughs> you feel like you're going to tickle me with that song. Oh, yeah. She, for, she's like, oh, now I need to be tickled. I'm like, what? <laughs> in a world of my own. All right. So that is my amazing, wonderful world, uh, wonderful world at Disney slash Easter parade, springtime parade for Disneyland. So. Ah. Well, it's like if it would like start start scenes from a parade, then show those clips. Mm-hmm. Oh, or we can do one uh, world of color. If I could add one thing to that, I would add um, in the golden afternoon. Oh yes, well, that's yeah. brilliant. With the flowers and stuff, because yes. it kind of tie into all of that theme. Yeah. Yes. And my shirt ties in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ryan sporting a flower yeah. tank top to go with yep. the golden tropical. afternoon. Oh yeah, it's yeah. very tropical. Very. It's like a Hawaiian print, but on a on a tank top. So. That's awesome because I've been watching yeah. Magnum PI all week, so that yeah. ties in with my week. <laughs> uh, and I've been reading history about Elvis all weeks. Yeah, so how we tie Magnum P.I. to Disney. See, in Hawaii, Elvis likes Hawaii slash Lilo and Stitch. There we go. Boom. And the <laughs> Disney Resort, Alani. And Alani, thank you. Yeah. See, I tied that in. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next, Fiona? How about Ryan? No, oh, Ryan, you're up. Well, <laughs> if I if they were gonna do a wonderful world of Disney, I would want a big Star Wars episode. Do do nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> oh, all of the Star Wars. <laughs> I would I would want to see like the television side, the movie side, and the theme park side. Oh my and, goodness. Yeah, and just kind of make some connections there. So, especially with um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening up, get mm-hmm. to see behind the scenes. It'd be cool if they would show us some of the technology that went into that. Because yes. my favorite, my favorite uh, Wonderful World of Disney episodes were always where they had like the attractions, coming attractions, and okay. just some of the information about the attractions, especially with interviews from the Imagineers who designed it. You know, getting to introduce like Rolly Crump or Mark Davis or Alice Davis, you know, all of the all of the Imagineers and the classic episodes that designed it. So it'd be really cool to hear from the people who designed Galaxy's Edge. You know, I was um, almost gonna think of like the the wacky space stuff they did back then. Oh yeah, they did some wacky space stuff on on the Wonderful World of Disney. That's true. They did. Yeah. Uh huh. And this would be an extension to some of the <laughs> space stuff that they're doing. Now it's just, theirs was like very real. Uh, oh, yes. fantasy. 
um, like trying to get to uh, like oh good heavens what were some of those episodes there were they were are you talking about the episodes that Ward Kimball did on trying to get a man to the moon and that kind of thing I, well yeah. I would I would first think of Mars and beyond ah gotcha yeah Mars and so beyond. yeah they did that but I would definitely do a do a space but with through Star Wars and um, I'd also want to hear about the television side, especially with the brand new The Mandalorian coming out on Disney Plus this fall. It would be fun to hear about that and um, about a little bit more about the story and the creation of that, especially from the creators of it. I think that would be fascinating. Okay. Um, plus, we all have all like the animation from the Star Wars, the Clone Wars, um, Star Wars Resistance, uh, Star Wars Rebels. So there's a bunch of uh, TV that you could tie into it, and then you have all of the um, uh, movies too. So you could do a whole segment on the movies with The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. It would be kind of fun just to hear about the movie side and what they're doing there. You've got Rogue One and Solo, some mm-hmm. of the branch off Star Wars stories, and maybe where they're going to take it in the future, what the plans are. So I think that would be a fun, wonderful world of Disney for them to do. Yeah, that'd be quite brilliant because it really ties it back to their original idea of using TV as a social media platform. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you just don't see them using that. You see them using YouTube. And I and I think you're hitting, you're missing certain audiences when you're not tying it back to TV or having um, it available you know, streaming or however you want to do it. Cause you're missing me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a YouTube, like big YouTube person. That's not, you know, I, I, I YouTube, oh, yeah, but, is a big but YouTube. aware. Me too. I watch more YouTube than I do TV, which is weird for my age and my generation. Cause most it people is. in my generation don't watch more YouTube than they do TV, but I'm one of those that does. We have plans for, for listing our, our top Disney YouTubers. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. We plan on doing an episode of top YouTubers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that'd be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. top Disney YouTubers. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yep, that'd be fun. Or our favorites. And I, <laughs> anyway. I would have like you know none. <laughs> like, and I edu- could fill up hours of an episode. <laughs> uh huh. So. Uh huh. And I'll be going. Uh huh. That yeah. sounds great. That's awesome. <laughs> It'll be a conversation between you and Fiona. Yeah, it'd be Fiona and I talking about our favorite YouTubers. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's okay. Yes, it is. It's perfectly fine. Okay. So, Uh I'm going to try to throw in my idea. Okay, go for it. I'm going to go with an education theme, and you may know what characters I may think of. I do. But you you need to to say it out loud. Okay. But I think you need to help me with, with. Oh, okay. With, with knowing, with knowing this, 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 this history. Okay. Why are we here? This is an interesting. Choice. So this, my idea will be about world, world war. World War Two. Basically. Oh, oh, because they did a lot of World War Two propaganda movies. Is that where yeah. we get this idea from? And since one time in my class, okay, in class, your class, show show your own artwork that 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 relates to this, and and you use your own words, 
Well, so far in mine, I have I have this as as like a comic book, but but so so far it could be like like com like comic book one for world. So it's like when you when you think of like education or, or clip episodes, you may think of characters like Lopez Von Drake or Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I I wasn't sure if this will be modern because it's just feel like they would they would never touch these they would never like touch these characters characters in more episodes of, of the show well they haven't used them in educational films for a long time yeah so what am i gonna, what am I gonna do that uh, it would start off with with old 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 clips from walt like their propaganda films against the the nazi party yeah okay and Maybe if. Did you look up some of those? So I'm just all, all, all like with, with Jiminy Cricket. He would be like, doing his like I, I'm no fool. Less, less, lessons. And with that, he may strap in some world, so some na- navy outfit, navy outfit. Yeah. So um, victory for air power. I uh, I, yeah. I I didn't know this this much about this film, mom, but I. So yeah, well, during World War II, the uh, Walt Disney Studios um, was kind of, uh, if you call it, overtaken by, or was uh, had a lot of, um, I'm a, a lot of the U.S. military on their campus, and so one of the films they did work on was Victory Through Air Power. And it was based on a book by Major Alexander Alexander P. D. Cervesky's. Um, it was how air power could cause the defeat of the Axis in, in Japan during World War II. So a lot of that they used a lot of and the Disney um, Walt Disney Company made the animation for that feature. Yeah. But they also did aviation sequences, uh, a part of Man in Flight and Fly with Von Drake. You're talking about that well, character, yeah, Von-, Von Drake. And they also did an educational know, when to, film. When to involve him in my in my version? You do. I don't know. Oh, you don't know. And they also did the history of aviation. It's a humorous history of aviation from the Wright brothers to World War II. I hope Goofy's involved. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm just all like for people listening to this, but 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 but, but the cartoons about those were merely influencing Donald Duck. But but I mean like. I didn't have this mic. We could show off clips of of the navy shorts he was he was in. The Donald Duck navy shorts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and how it and how it and Donald gets drafted. And then oh, almost near the end, near near the my special all the classic care get get neared and and they're all like show who's show who's the right man for the job. Yeah. So uh, Fiona learned a lot about World War II in her was it World History class? Yeah. And yeah, in the springtime they did World War II, mm-hmm. so that is fresh yeah. on her mind. So they learned all about that. So you're tying that all into like they could have a so she would much rather watch the Disney version of World War II. Yeah, and then after all all that all that evil, we say Jiminy will be like and and all we know. 
and well, we all know that that war is over. Yeah, back then celebrities like like the a, celebrities from the nineteen forties. Yeah, like Shirley okay. Temple. Explaining okay. And maybe Mickey could have a su- surprise appearance. Okay. So you're thinking of a show that would have been back in the in after the war in the nineteen forties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I hope that wasn't too uh, awkward with you. No, I get it. So, yeah, like, Ryan and I were thinking of modern-day Walt uh, World of Disney, and you're thinking of a show they could have actually produced back... I guess you could produce that back in the 50s, for sure. I... I mean, you're just a... Like, you're... you're Well, I know when one hour... I know one hour one line was one of the specials Mm -hmm. we... Realized, like I was just gaining on the Christmas re- re- related show. Uh huh. Yeah, cause um, with like for all us, with all of you, I thought you were you were just you you were just being being a bit awkward and in front of that. Okay, so we're awkward, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> we'll take awkward. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm I'm agreeing that it's hard it's hard to scan to scan through my. My my information. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our present and past ideas for Wonderful World of Disney. And now it's time to head way out west for a little patch of heaven. I know a place pretty as pie Where the river bend hits up with the end of the sky It's left in Nebraska and over a crest on a little patch of heaven way out west. Everything's green. So tonight on Dispopolis, we alluded to it and even just plain out said it. We're going to talk. Oh, yeah. I don't know if (laughs) if this is just Wonderland and or Christmas or also Toy Story or Christmas and Toy and and To- toys in July. Well, August. Oh, but, yeah, we can't. Wish we haven't squirmed that much. Yep. Yeah, so instead of Christmas in July, we're doing Christmas in August. Because <laughs> we're going to be talking about One Hour Wonderland. Every day, millions of friendly Americans, young and old, in millions of American homes, large and small, pause and refresh themselves with the wholesome, delicious goodness of ice-cold Coca-Cola. And today, Christmas Day, the Coca-Cola Company and your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola invite you to pause and be refreshed by an hour of wholesome, delightful entertainment. We now bring you Walt Disney and his beloved characters in their world television premiere.
was released on December 25th, 1950. And I, I, I'm going to read a little bit um, from the D23 site. I mean, just short, very short paragraph. So the first Disney television show sponsored by Coca-Cola and shown on December 25th, 1950, directed by Richard Wallace. The show serves as a promo for the upcoming Alice in Wonderland. Joining Walt Disney are Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. I mean, I barely knew who Charlie McCarthy was growing up, and I'm pretty sure um, past our generation has no idea who these characters are. <laughs> and then Kathy Beaumont, who played Alice, Bobby Driscoll, who was off of, um, was it Treasure Island? I think he did that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and he also yes. was on... One, one, one yeah, of the and then he did the Mickey Mouse Club in 1955, right? Okay. Yes. And then uh, Walt's daughters, uh, Diane and Sharon Disney, who look absolutely thrilled to be here. There's my sarcasm. And Han, Hans Conried portrays the slave in the magic mirror. So the evil queen's magic mirror from Snow White. And, you know, up to this point, there really haven't been um, a lot of Disney princesses. So we're, we've just seen, um, was it, we've seen Snow White, Cinderella, and now Alice. And they even mentioned that in this One Hour Wonderland special. Which is kind of funny to think there's only been the two princesses up to this point. Because when you think of Disney, you think of princess movies. All right. So let's start at the beginning of this lovely lovely special well with and do you remember the first scene fiona so is this almost gonna be like a reluctant dragon talk oh like when we talked about um the reluctant dragon yeah yes like going for, <laughs> for studio studio slots yeah yeah so we're gonna kind of go through we're gonna go through um, part by part through One Hour in Wonderland and walk you guys through it. And I believe the only place that Disney officially released One Hour in Wonderland was their special bonus DVD. I mean, that's the only place I could see, find it. The Alice, um, it was a DVD, not even the Blu-ray one that they released later. So the opening scene of One Hour in Wonderland is a commercial, of course, because that's what they did in the 1950s. And they didn't really, like, break for commercials in these TV shows. They just kind of, like, the, the commercial kind of fit the show. So it was the opening was about drinking Coca-Cola and the holiday greetings, and there was Santa Claus. And so they had Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and Panchito, who was the rooster from Three Caballeros, and the big bad wolf was on the ground and, and these these were stuffed animals right? yeah yeah these were the stuffed animals under the trees like presents sorry plushes these yeah, were so plushes <laughs> the don't get cringy if they were they were like life-size characters yeah so yeah the, in 1950 they would not be the best um full-size characters so these are plushes that are on the ground and um it was interesting in the scene because they had santa was he that he's pulling was he putting gifts well, in the bag or pulling them out? Well, yeah. He, he, well, he's pull, well, he's pulling them out, and when people say he's he's magic, he's okay. Let's just say use the force, Santa. Use the force. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually recorded Santa backwards. So when he was putting presents in the bag, 
uh, when they played it, they it looked like the presents were flying into Santa's hands, which is something they use later, you know, in, in Mary Poppins. So, and, you know, to end this scene, of course, <laughs> these are my notes. <laughs> and Ooh, they used a hot chick <laughs> with ice cold Coca-Cola. I love the wholesomeness of that. They gotta gotta use a really good looking girl to sell the Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Yep, of course. Uh nice to know that things haven't changed too much. Yes, no no. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. And Coca Cola was the first company to use Santa Claus in their advertising. So it's very fitting. Very fitting that they're doing a Christmas show for Disney. Oh, okay, so <laughs> After that lovely scene with Santa, we do break into the show. And so we land up at Edgar, uh, Edgar Bergen's house. And he's actually in the shower getting ready. And uh, Mortimer sne- sneered, sneered. And Charlie McCarthy, oh, I guess Mortimer sneered. Oh, oh, Mortimer sneers in the shower. And they're getting ready, uh, going to a, a tea party. And they're... Um, getting in the car and they're driving from the house and oh, I'm doing well so they're driving from the house and so Mortimer's uh it's it I wrote down Sneed but I guess it's really snurred and um Charlie McCarthy are in the car and it kind of reminded me of a Statler and, and Waldorf situation from the Muppets up in the balcony mm-hmm. you know all oh, yeah, these like that's, that's what I'm getting noted in mine yeah, it's like those really bad dad jokes. <laughs> Just making fun of people. But this is what I'm going to think of for, like, the dragon here. Oh. With them driving. Oh, because they're driving because he drives to the theater. He drives to Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. Yeah, but we have um, Edgar Bergen driving to uh, to the party. I don't know whose house this is supposed to be. But they're uh, going, and they know where they're going. Like, they're going to celebrate the release of Alice in Wonderland and while they're driving which is really bad driving he uh well, they have to do well they're slapstick crew so they have to do the opposite yeah it's slapstick so they have to have give them moments to complain uh they're telling the story of Alice while they're driving and so when we get to the house I was gonna say oh you want to say sweet you know but you know they they also just they just feel like like those crew just feel like a like like father and his alpha twins du- duo, where I'm I'm seeing Charlie be, be all serious but sometimes curious within mm-hmm. Edgar's stories, but Mortimer is just like oh, I'm tired of knowing this this evening fantasy. Wake me up when it's over. So Mortimer's not really interested in what's going on. <laughs> all right, so when they get to the party, they see Walt. Um, and we see the, the Lily Bell, his Lily Bell that he got for Christmas for being a, a good boy for the last 30 years. And he introduces um, Edgar Bergen and Charlie uh, to Catherine Beaumont. And Charlie is very inappropriate this entire time. <laughs> yes. Oh. I, I thought that was very interesting. I just oh. said when he could be all serious. Oh my goodness! Please stop, Charlie. But You're maybe embarrassing not with yourself. stories. Oh my lord! He starts flirting with Catherine Beaumont. Like that's not okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see that. Although, 
But I mean, the good thing is Bobby Driscoll is insulted. He, oh, he's insulted by Charlie too. So, you know, I mean, so then Charlie gets jealous of Bobby Driscoll and insults him. So he's lots of fun. <laughs> this at all mm. Mm. I'm thinking maybe that uh, Edgar, Edgar Bergen probably may not have been the best choice to, to be the because kind of like the I don't know what you call him not the um, kind of like the narrator I guess I like the narrator for this show yeah I'm thinking, in some ways it's yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it was an interesting choice Charlie I mean he was a very yeah. popular very very popular for the time oh, yeah. he's actually in the smithsonian um uh so let's go yeah 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 very popular very well-known character television character mm-hmm. yeah I, I i i mean i knew of him i don't know if i really even saw any of his um i guess it was was he do television or did he do radio or movies i never really saw any of his stuff uh, a lot of ra- a lot of radio oddly enough okay and stage shows makes sense yeah kind of like more vaudeville and then into radio a little bit of television okay you would obviously yeah. knew him from fun and fancy free see him fun and fancy free too yes oh okay there we go which which one uh mickey and the beanstalk oh really I didn't know you would get all confused here. Well, I'm not confused. I'm just surprised. That's my surprise now. Good to know, though. Thank you. So, but I think one of the one of the funny parts was when Mortimer, who's the other puppet, I guess you call it a puppet, that um, Edgar Bergen does, you know, this is other one of his roles. Mortimer and Goofy are hanging out. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, and <laughs> on the couch. And, and this is the part I I almost did understand that they they had had Donald Duck invisible and in the real world I mean is this the illusion seeing cartoon characters be invisible in the real world yeah do you remember that that scene Brian when they're they're sitting on the couch and Edgar Berger Bergen uh, Bergen accidentally sits on Donald Duck and Walt has him like stand up so Walt can like move him off of the couch Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, Donald Duck wasn't actually there animated or otherwise. He was just completely imaginary. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that wasn't supposed to be a bit where they were supposed to animate Donald in and they just ran out of time. Possibly. I mean, that would make the most sense. Well, yeah, I thought one t- time you said to to Elias, you've been watching too many cartoons. Hey, I, I can't I can't see you. After seeing those cartoons. <laughs> I, I don't did know. he say that or did I say that? You said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did like this line where Mortimer is talking to Goofy. Now, this is a plush Goofy he's talking to. So it's a one-way conversation he's having the entire time. But I remember them breaking over to them and then Mortimer saying, that was the year the... Um, Cranberry crop? Or raspberry. Yeah, that was the year the raspberry crop failed. <laughs> just like, what? Good to know. Thanks, Mortimer. But that was just totally out of the blue. Like I said, that was like, slightly entertaining there. But uh, so after the scene where Donald, imaginary, invisible Donald, you know, no voice or anything leaves. Maybe <laughs> to, a goof. Maybe a goof, yeah. Uh, we see the... Um, the evil queen mirror appears 
And, um, oh, what's also interesting, too, what happens is, so Diane and Sharon, this is where we see Diane and Sharon also, which is really interesting because they do not look thrilled to be here. It They look like attendance was mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, hi. Yeah, we're here. But then, well, like, once again, Charlie starts um, insulting their father. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> is this? Is this good? I don't know. This is why maybe I, I was right to say that these are hard to go watch. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it's hard. It's just different. It's just a different way that people look at it. Like when we were watching the Jiminy Cricket educational movies, I mean, they were really blunt. And they would call people stupid and idiots. In the cartoon that's supposed to be, yeah, don't be like this idiot. I, I was, like, I, was okay. I thought you were going to say for all of us to all of you. Oh, <laughs> no. So, and so right after that lovely moment where Charlie insults Diane and Sharon, um, Walt gets the mirror to work. And I think, so they get to ask the mirror thing. So Catherine Bowman asks for uh, the song with Snow White. The silly song um, that they sing with the so when she's dancing with the dwarfs. And you, you feeling like to to man your story and feel like the moments for these shows is is by showing clips and most biologically don't don't almost see any anything new about about it. Like it almost feels like. Like anime where they show like flashbacks of previous epi- episode clips and and some illusions and make it feel like it's a different story. There you go. Well, that's a good reference. Anime, yeah, they do a lot of cut and you reuse a lot of animation in anime for sure. I mean, recycle. Yeah. Recycle. Thank you. <laughs> it's a lovely term. Recycle. Yeah, and, and you can kind of see where they got the format for future shows of Roller Color where they would clip and take out parts of bits of some of their animated features. And I was also thinking um, what years they did re-release Snow White because this could have been around a time when they re-released it. So you would want to show it on a show. So it was a little early. So they did it, um, they re-released Snow White in 1944, which is before this, and then 1952, which is a couple years after it. So it wouldn't like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been like, like the best opportune time, but they're also keeping it fresh in people's minds. Cause they're, you know, there's no videos. Um, you know, they're not, they're not gonna show it on television. There's no YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so this would be a time where you kind of want to keep it's a, a good use to show little clips to really keep that um, fresh in people's minds so when they did release it people would have a familiar familiarity if you're older and kind of want to introduce it to your kids but i thought feels like oh for for these cheap releases it's, it it let's keep going from the world of disney by, by sharing clips from from the movie to, to make it even cheaper. Oh, so you think it cheapens the film by showing it on television? I, I thought you said something about that. Well, he didn't want to, like, Walt didn't want to release the full animated feature on television because he thought that would cheapen it. 
sure. For sure. And I know a lot of, of the television companies wanted him to do that so they could get ratings. So, okay, so this is interesting. So they're kind of like they start going through people to, like, ask questions or um, ask the, the mirror to show them something. So, you know, Charlie gets to choose next. And Charlie wants to see himself, but instead he gets Mickey Mouse clock cleaners. Um, oh, really? He yes. wants to see himself as the one and only boy. Yeah, like, and, and so obviously the mirror's being tongue-in-cheek with him because the clock cleaners, lots of things go wrong. It's very awkward for <laughs> Mickey and Donald and Goofy. You know, with this... Con- controversy? This controversy with this cartoon, people have been finding at, at first that Donald is um, swearing to, oh. the, to the mainspring for uh-huh. trying to imitate those words. It's not like he... Well, it's not like he was... He was saying, son of a god. Oh, where did you find that? Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> god bless Wikipedia. So I guess some people thought Donald was actually swearing in that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say what Wikipedia typed in. Oh, thank you. So so Fiona's giving us the abridged version of what people interpreted Donald saying. Thank you for, thank you for not using the words that people thought he was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so where does this rank, Brian, with you with um, Mickey cartoons, the clock cleaners? I enjoy the clock cleaners um, a lot. I think it's I think it's a well done uh, Mickey cartoon. Um, I would say it's kind of in it's kind of in the middle for me. It's okay. not my top, but it's not my favorite okay. one. But I enjoy it. Yeah, I thought, Mom, you're 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 in the you're in a little bit with this cartoon. Yeah, I mean it's one of my favorites only because my dad had like an eight millimeter projector, and this was one of the ones that we would see. So I have like really fond mm-hmm. memories of this cartoon. Of course, I didn't know there was any sound to it, and I thought it was in black and white. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> oops, <laughs> but that happens too. Yeah. So, and then Bobby Driscoll uh, asks for Uncle Remus, uh, which from Song of the South was from 1946. And if you want to hear more of Song of the South, we have the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, this is really weird. Like, I have a friend who had a laundromat in San Francisco, and it was in a very theatrical part of town. And so her, the theme of her laundromat was like movie themed. And so they would show videos and um, there were DVDs. It was, you know, I think it was in the nineties, late nineties. And so it was DVDs and she would have um, lots of people that worked there. And those people would bring in movies that they liked or wanted to see. And they just kind of left them there. Like she, I don't think she ever bought a DVD. But when she sold her business, the person taking it over wanted to retheme it and redo it. So she had box after box after box of DVDs. And so we were over at her house recently, um, in last March, and Fiona started going through. She kept some of them. She didn't keep them all, you know, and she kept some. Like, And Fiona was going through them, and she found a bootleg copy of Song of the South. So she was uh, real sweet and made us a copy because Fiona really wanted to watch 
that one. So I just thought that was real and interesting. for appreciation, I fought for gain, gain the plush of Br'er Rabbit. Yeah, and they sell the plush of Br'er Rabbit, you know, at DC. That was it. We bought it at DCA. I'm sure they sell it over at Disneyland by Splash Mountain. Well, I was thinking, I because I, I saw this YouTuber, this Disney Kiwi, have having it, and I thought that would, that would, that would be like some, like, like some, like some mean, mean plush I would go get. Well, it's a cute plush. It's a cute rabbit. It is. And I like Splash Mountain. So they show the Zippity Doodah, um, Zippity A song, and then they do the scene from song, the cartoon from the Song of the South where Brad Rabbit decides to leave home. And I love, I love that. They have a sign of it in Splash Mountain. The, the saying, you know, um, something like, you can't run away from your troubles. There's no place that far. You can't run away. Yeah, you can't run away from your your troubles. Or sometimes it said yourself. There ain't no place that far. That's right. Usually it's like you can't run away from yourself. There ain't no place that far. So I'm, I'm yeah. It looks like I'm agreeing that the line just that it the ride just just focus on that 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 the whole the whole part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that. Um, Tom Sawyer and Br'er Rabbit had some um, interesting, similar traits <laughs> in fooling people into doing things for them or fooling them into thinking things were happening like they should be happening. So that was really interesting, fun to, to find that correlation between the two of them. Oh, so Br'er Rabbit sees Br'er Bear coming down the path and he tells Br'er Bear that he is scaring away the crows out of the field and he gets a dollar a minute. Holy cow. I mean, if you think about what year this movie was made, that's like an incredible amount of money. So, oh yeah, so Rabbit is caught in a trap. So he convinces Br'er Bear that if he takes his place in the trap, he'll make a dollar a minute. So Br'er Bear is like, oh cool man, I'll totally do that. <laughs> They change places. And of course, then Br'er Fox comes along and, and goes, What are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So then Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear get this big, huge fight and then try to catch Rabbit. And Rabbit gets away and goes home because Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are so caught up in their own fight, they can't even tell who they're fighting or what's happening. So, so like, you may think they're... You may think they're being seeked as siblings to to rabbit, but but to tell you usually being bullies. Oh, Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. Yeah. Yeah, they're not very nice people. I mean, but then again, I mean they do eat rabbits, so that is only nature kicking in there. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So for people that don't know, Br'er means brother. Basically in the southern vernacular. So that's why you have Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit, and all the different animals. So it was just kind of like a word that got slanged that way. I think I had to do some of the Scottish too. The big Scottish influence in the south that a lot of words like y'all comes from a Scottish vernacular being mixed with English and Creole. So Br'er is the same way, kind of kind of form, that word kind of formed around all those languages coming together. 
So now we're going to pause for refreshment, and guess what refreshment it is. Now I thought the scene got a little bit too dramatic. The ref Breaking for refreshment? Well, yeah, with the magic mirror. Uh-huh. And, and like he was all like that, that miss, now for the mystic cool, cool, coolness. And there he points to the, to the Coca-Cola. And now I'm just, and when I hear, when I hear that, those thoughts from him, I'm, I'm now with the digging Coca-Cola now. Oh, you want a Coca-Cola? Yeah, she had, Fiona, in honor of tonight, had a Coca-Cola for lunch. Well, it was, it was a couple, a uh, few days ago after we watched it. Mm-hmm. So I love this phrase for the refreshment. Treasure of everyday living, Coca-Cola. Where there is Coke, there is hospitality. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hospitality, that, that word. So next it's Mortimer's choice to choose something for the mirror to play, and he can't do it. Of course. So they show uh, a Pluto short. And this one is Pluto stealing a bone from the bulldog next door, which can't go well. Which he got, he got named a butched in, in the oh, modern time. Oh, the bulldog. Yeah. Oh, the bulldog gets a name. Yeah, it was something like that. Okay, cool. But they run into Pluto they, and the bulldog land up getting out of their yards and heading downtown and into a carnival. And a hall of mirrors. Okay, so here's your tie-in with Alice. So there is a hall of mirrors. Of course, they get totally confused and forgets all about the bone is in the hall of mirrors because he's so fascinated by all the different um, types of warped mirrors. And then he lands up tricking the bulldog with the mirrors, and he and Pluto lands up with a bone. Woohoo! Pluto wins. <laughs> but I was gonna say for the Coca-Cola and. Yeah, I felt like that got the whole makes just an idea for um, Disney's um, Hollywood Studios. The Coca-Cola? Yeah, but, well, I, like, like, I thought it would be a, a appropriate f uh, fizzy bear. Fizzy Barbara? Fizzy Barbara for me back, back at vacation. Or, or maybe. Is there a fizzy Barbara in Hollywood Studios? I think it was thinking of something else, but it was like... It was like that cool place. I, 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 I thought you were gonna have much in mind. At Hollywood Studios? Which yeah. part, sweetie? Oh, wait. I, when I say fizzy, probably like down, maybe down to my throat here. When I when I hear all those, all those, when I hear the cook, when I see Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, I just, that, that's, that's my, fit, that, that's, that's my, um, fit, fizzy Barbara. That's your fizzy Barbara? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good to know. They do have lots of Coca-Cola signs in Hollywood Studios. Well, yeah, and I was thinking that maybe that's what gets influenced. Okay. Oh, now this is fun. So after we have the Pluto scene, um, Mr. Bergman um, asks for Firehouse 5 and 2. Oh, yeah. And, you know how their music doesn't interfere with their work. So the mirror um, kind of takes you to the Walt Disney Studios and it looks like everybody is working. But this part, he's like some, looking like a, some security camera. Yeah, <laughs> does, definitely spying on them as they're working, definitely. Because <laughs> they don't know they're being watched. So it's pretty funny. 
So you see them, the guys all working, the animation guys all working, and um, Milk calls one of them. I don't know all of the Firehouse Five. Do you know? I am not sure who they all are. I know uh, Ward Kimball was mm-hmm. one of the big guys who, who mm-hmm. one of the big organizers of it. Um, the Firehouse Five. They did an appearance on CBS with Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So Ward Ward Kimball was the leader of it, but then you had um, Harper Goff. Uh huh. On it, Frank Thomas. Cool. Ed Pinner, um, Monty Montjoy, Clark Mallory, and Danny, probably Algire, probably Algire, Danny Algire, yeah. That's pretty funny. Do you see, we're just quick Wikipediaing it, and it says a finger, fingerprint expert formerly with LA Police Department. How yeah. funny is that? Yeah, yeah. The one, the, the one person out of there that I knew was Ward Kimball. Yeah, Ward Kimball, Harper yeah. Goff, yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew him, um, and then later on they said like George Bruns uh, mm-hmm. came in and he was a big composer. You'll know him from he composed all all the music to the Jungle Book. Um, That's cool. Plus, uh, uh, he worked on was that it was him and Exitensio who did the theme to, to Pirates of the Car- of the Caribbean, the attraction. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so. You think that was Exitensio and George Bruns? Okay, well that was that's fun. Like they they're all working, supposedly working, and then they're all they're checking the hallways to make sure Walt's not around, and they do the all clear, and, and so they start getting out. On there's a piano, a clarinet, the drums, the trombone, and the trumpet. But and then show life, they're April Fools type teeth. <laughs> and uh, they play Jingle Bells, and then the tubo and the banjo come in. Mm-hmm. And then um, you hear Walt say, um, t- telling them how great they look, and they're like, uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so then they realize they've been watched the whole time, where they're like, thanks, Walt. <laughs> we'll get back to work. Oh, yeah. So then you jump into Milk Call, showing the animation that he's working on. He's working on Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I mean, he's probably not really working on them, because I'm pretty sure the the feature was done at this point or close to finish but it's like i, I was just seeing the band because, because people would think was was he one of them probably not yeah so he's in the room i think he's in the room with them and i i don't think they could get all the firehouse five so i think they had some of the other people working at disney just kind of like fill in or you know look like they're playing the instruments so then they break back to the party and but, they asked the mirror to show them. Well, the just, mirror was all like when when Saint Amphion, none shall seek the forbidden, unfinished work. I'm I'm the king of the guard. Oh yeah, so the they're at, they're begging the mirror to show them a little bit of Alice, and the mirror is denying them, saying, you know, he's guarding it, so we're not going to see any of it yet. So, but he does show. Uh, the famous tea party scene and the song of very uh, very merry birthday so it starts out with you know alice walking into the party and them saying no room no room very rude very rude <laughs> <laughs> awfully rude awfully rude i just i just love the that that scene is just one of the best scenes in this movie 
Who's the actor that plays the Mad Hatter? Well, Ed Wynn. Uh-huh, Ed just, Wynn. With, with, like, Ed Wynn and, and Jerry, I just there there's a there's a thing I kind of relate with the two. And when you usually, usually says, sounds like he says, like, a little awkwardly, like, like, don't, don't let's, don't let's be silly. Oh, Edwin, yes. Yeah, but, He says things a little differently than you would typically say. Yeah, but I'm like, with, with Jerry, he's, he's always good with, with the A sound. <laughs> like, like different ter terms of, terms of speaking. <laughs> like, I, there, there, I, I'm sure there was a lot of rents and a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons. Did, was he in? Was he a voice actor for well, Looney Tunes? No, I think oh, he was no. just, just, just mentioned a lot. So what's the last name of the, the guy that did the voice of the March Hare? Oh, Jerry Colonna? Jerry Colonna. He was a crazy looking character face. Kind of like Edwin. They both have very characterized faces, which is fitting since they had very recognizable uh, yeah, voices. Totally. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. See, those, he had like huge, Jerry Colonna had huge eyes. And this crazy thick mustache and like this slick back black hair. It's perfect. Which everyone totally has fun with it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's too easy. Too easy to characterize. Characterize. So after we see that scene, um, now we're back home. Back home with Edward Bergen. We are coming to the end of One Hour in Wonderland. So we're magically transported back <laughs> to his house. <laughs> no yeah, explanation. It's, a, it's a, not not from some some factory, you seem. Yeah, and he took the he took home the magic mirror, so that's awesome. Mortimer in the mirror. I wrote that down. So is Mortimer in the mirror? Is he well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mortimer's in the mirror. Okay, I'm going back to sleep. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. So that was just. That was something else. And of course, you know, we've got Coca-Cola. We've got the- and, uh, Fun and fancy free uh, uh, S camera line for Hollywood Studios. Yeah, and then we're, we land up the, the what was it, the, oh, Lord, really, Guyman's, what is it, Chinese theater? Uh, Man's Chinese theater? Guyman, or oh, I don't know. Grauman's, yeah. Grauman's, thank you, Grauman's Chinese theater. So there you go. Everything explained. And nothing explained whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever? Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts on the on this one hour in Wonderland? I there's just so many I feel like there's there's so many uh, uh, adult hiddens I would not understand. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good first run. Let's put it that way. Good first try. Bully for them. Yeah, I just, I, I just expect from the just the mainly show show clips. Uh huh. It was produced by um, Up Iwerks and Bill Walsh, which is interesting. So, Bill Walsh is kind of from with the, you know, he kind of came out of the um, animation department, did this, and then going forward, he's a writer and producer at Disney after this. Never really went back to the animation. And I'm guessing Up Iwerks, because I'm assuming he did the special, well, he did the special effects with Santa, and then I'm assuming the mirror mm -hmm. part yeah. of the show. So he did a lot of that. He did all things special effects. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Which he really found his forte. He really found his place at in life. He created a lot of different new ways. I mean, he would go bonkers today if he saw where technology was. I mean, he his mind would just blow just knowing where it came from and where it's at now. Oh yeah. So, Fiona, any parting thoughts on One Hour in Wonderland? What do you What did you think of it overall? You went like uh, one out of I, five Mickey House. I think it was. <laughs> It was my it was my late late experience. Uh-huh. So I would this this will be a this will be a four. A four out of five? Yeah. So you really enjoyed this. You enjoyed well going back in time and Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I guess with some children they would think of it as a free a bit. Okay. Well some adults too, maybe. Yeah, four because I'm sometimes wishing for New animation for the boys and girls. Okay. And it, you wanted more, more animation. Uh, yeah. That that's not that's not repeat. That's uh, a, original and not from anything else. Okay. And I was I was gonna save all this for the rest of the, for the other stuff we were gonna talk about. Okay. You have some other thoughts you want to share when we talk about the other show we watched? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll switch this around. All right, Ryan. What what do you think about this lovely foray into television? Um, it really kicked off a lot of stuff for television for Walt Disney to follow because it was very successful. Um, mm-hmm. And so it really, uh, w- when you get the Disneyland series later on, uh, it really introduced the general public uh, to Walt Disney and 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 television. So I think. I think it's important to what's coming next. Uh, the special itself, um, it's interesting to go back and watch, I think. <laughs> uh, it's kind of scattered and all over the place in terms of, okay. there's not like, a, there's no, if you're looking for plot, this is not the area, this is not the show to watch. There's, there's, <laughs> it's a little all over the place. But um, it's interesting to see where the cross-pollination starts to occur with mm-hmm. the Disney company and it really starts here with promoting like with, with being sponsored by Coca-Cola um, and mm-hmm. then sponsorships become a big thing later on in the Disney parks from different companies um, so it's interesting to see all of that kind of being built into this first television show here and um, if you're kind of just if you're just interested in Disney history, this is kind of a fun little thing to it's a fun little thing to watch. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Um, like this is really kicking off the marketing and showing the marketing genius that Walt becomes, mm-hmm. where nothing comes from you know is, is not coming from nothing. Like every little piece is kind of coming together. We've got the product, we've got the social media cuz TV is social media. You know, and we see these things, different things coming together. Um you've got NBC is sponsoring this, so NBC's paying Walt, you know, to have this on their television. To me, I think it's kind of surprising. Like, you don't think about people on Christmas Day in 1950 sitting around their televisions watching television. But they were, obviously. But, yeah, I think half a Christmas on TV is wonderful. Um, we, we, we had a big chat with one of the, one of the girl scout mom about them. But it feels like some commenting 
about them is how repetitive they get. Some of the te- the the cartoons that they play on television during well, Christmas time. Well, I was I was talking about modern days. Even though people can say they're they're too good for you, or some people think think that's like I say for the kids to make sure um, has has a child from from the 60s for favorites like I uh, well per, person I I I go a little off topic here but I really like the work of the Rankin Bass productions mm-hmm. I am trying to see so they did this stop motion animation the, back in the late 60s early the, 70s the cute and and stylizing the characters mainly in stop motion but it feels like some adults with Rudolph are are like, wow, this is a wacky masterpiece. I am keeping it like my legacy legacy, legacy mm-hmm. for me. But by reading Wikipedia by now there there are some adults that probably it sometimes good, but it it badly feels People actually saying that they're sometimes weird and being a bunch of silly treatments, um, like like with Rudolph, like mainly, Matt TV is good with with that. So I'm I'm trying looking at at those 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 copyright, but I mean I I I think well well Tim Burton did draw inspiration from. Those those television specials from from making the Nightmare for Christmas and probably tried mm-hmm. tried making it a special, but I I guess they almost didn't find it too too theming too theming maybe for for the studio, but believing for for watching childhood specials for his imagination saying it's too dark and scary for kids then then deciding to release it and and touch them pictures okay so you're talking about how um one hour in wonderland is kind of like kicking off the idea of having christmas specials on television well yeah yeah and then that's leading to the stop motion animation that was created by rankin and bass their company right but it's like when you get nightmare for christmas yeah, and then and then so you're going like full circle, so back into the theaters with Nightmare Before Christmas, and that was released. Was that released by Touchstone? Yes. Okay, because they thought it was too scary to go under Walt Disney Animation. Probably. Well, yeah, that's true. It's it's different. It's definitely a different. Nightmare Before Christmas is not what you would think of as a typical Christmas movie. But I'm trying to keep it in the Disney family here. Yeah, well it is in the Disney family for sure, especially since the Haunted Mansion is transformed into um, Nightmare Before Christmas for Halloween and, and Christmas time. Yeah, but it's like you didn't expect people were like, I didn't expect it to get even really popular. Right, right. Well it came out slow. That movie definitely came out slow and then built up later as a cult classic and people really drew to that later for sure. So we're trying something new with Fiona during this podcast, and she was writing down her thoughts. So she wrote down a lot of thoughts. So that's why in the, in 
the last part she was she was reading and, and which is really great I think it's great wonderful that she was really writing down her thoughts so she could get what she wanted to, to think across so where were we <laughs> uh, we were just kind of like wrapping up our final thoughts on one hour in wonderland yes yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then we, we went down the rabbit hole yeah we did <laughs> Obviously. Yes, which is perfectly fine. Which mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. Absolutely. We went down that rabbit hole again. Um, yeah, talking about marketing and um, with <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. But the format remains with us almost clear to this day. I mean, in terms yeah. of in terms of the Disney Company doing like a Christmas special, like the Christmas parade, you know, that they uh-huh. usually run, and it usually it gives previews of of what's coming up and kind of celebrate some of the stuff in the past and they kind of stick with the same kind of format in a way in a roundabout <laughs> way from, uh-huh. from from this point forward it's, it's really i mean you know as you see the beginning of the format here and then they just refine Definitely. it yeah and yeah. then you get well, you get the, you get the disney marketing machine really going here oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah and and it's kind of like it's one of those things where people are tired of IPs in the park or IPs in the park and they want like these original ideas and you know stuff like that but I mean besides like the Haunted Mansion and um, Pirates of the Caribbean I mean a lot of it ties to IPs you know even the Matterhorn mm-hmm. tied to an IP oh you yeah know, the, it was like always always it might have been live action movies but everything was always marketing for something else sleeping sleeping beauty's castle you know yeah Year, you know Hello. years before sleeping beauty ever came out but it was sleeping beauty's yep. castle oh yeah uh-huh yeah oh well, for sure yes yeah. things things always usually all of Frontierland tied back to davy crockett in that whole series yeah oh and then gain that little spanish influence on the right there tying to zorro you know <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, so I mean, that's just this is it's just cross promotion. That's what they, that's what Walt always did. And I think I Absolutely. do think it's funny with like people at origin, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, people go to Disney because they like the Disney IPs. It is fun to get original stuff in there, too. I like I like a combination. I like a little bit, of, but I don't think everything has to be original inside of a theme park. I mean, Pete, you'd, you'd walk in if everything was original. You wouldn't recognize. You wouldn't recognize stuff like the characters. I mean, you go to the characters because you recognize the characters. That's why people love right. them and go for the character experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm fine yeah. with IPs in the park. <laughs> just... Long story short, I'm good. I was gonna say the, ca- the characters. We just we just saw this like when I was surprised to see a like K- KFC. KFC portrait of Curdles with with Mickey, Pluto, and Alice. We commented about the Alice. We're like, ah, those faces were easy. They're just basically people. You just basically put people in ordinary outfits. Yeah, so inside our local Kentucky Fried Chicken, there is a picture of the Colonel with at Disneyland, basically. And with um, Alice and then, what were the other two characters? Mickey and Pluto. Mickey and Pluto. And so we were kind of commenting how it is so easy to do face characters like Snow White, Cinderella, um, and Alice because it is just an outfit. You know, you don't have to make a head mask and it's very (laughs) spot on very quickly. Yeah, where the Pluto, the Pluto's a little odd looking. And the Mickey's ears are huge. 
I don't think they look that bad. No, they're not too bad. The, well, the Pluto is a little, I don't know, maybe it's well, the angle. Well, well I, I've, I think he's kind of cute looking. But... He's kind of cute looking. Oh, I see. Yeah, the Pluto, yeah, but it's but better. But I guess you don't see expression of him, right? Right, it's a little more refined now. And Mickey, like, the ears are a little disproportionate. They're almost bigger than the head, so. I mean, people are commenting that he has a big head. Yeah, so they, they it's better now. <laughs> Definitely. It could represent him when he's from the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. So, oh, did you give it um, an ear count, Ryan? Um, let's see. If I were to give it an ear count, mm-hmm. I probably would give this about a three. I mean, yeah, sure, I like it. Yeah, I like a three. I think it's right. You know, it's it's interesting, but it's not like something that's i don't think it's like a go out and see this right now <laughs> yeah. yeah i think this is for i think this is really for like more the diehard <laughs> disney fan honestly to be real yeah so mm, i guess well yeah oh. if they're curious if, if, if it was mainly showing newness <laughs> then a four or five because it also something targets boys and girls to feel how how a actress is trying the personally person trying to personally personality and i am i am sometimes seeing members around something else my bed okay so i yeah i give it about two and a half to three stars also see young actresses yeah oh um i think katherine bowman does a lovely job she has a lovely personality she's very sweet i can understand why they hired her as alice and as wendy and peter pan um, she's very mature for her age. She's very well at handling situations well beyond her years, um, with English grace. <laughs> well, well, kind of like Julie Andrews would. Well, um, it's like my opinions with, with Alice in Wonderland as an adult is that by looking at a eccentric, eccentric character for what they done and tried to speak to them to get out of the situation but sometimes for me it, it can get a little repetitive for not getting that much in thought but I'm just trying not to say myself I, I'm not dumb when you feel like you're most on it you try to be the hero you are it's probably not in a woman's personality but they she was a former school teacher yeah, so she was actually, she went on, uh, you know, she did not go on in Hollywood, um, but she did stay in California and she did become a, a school teacher for many, many years. And every now and then a child would recognize her as Alice or Wendy, depending on when there was a re-release of the movies. So what are you saying here, like, um, a hero you are? Are you talking about Alice? Yeah. In the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think I was trying to mention in real life. In oh, in real life, in the in the TV special, or like you. Me. You. All right. Try to be the hero that you are. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a a good final thought on that. Prove, prove that you've won the 
birthday. Imagine, just one birthday every year. Ah, but there are 364 on birthdays. Precisely why we're gathered here to cheer. Why, then, today's my own birthday, too. It is? What a small world this is. In that case, a very merry birthday. To me? To you. A very merry birthday. From me? For you. Now blow the candle up, my dear, and make your wish come true. <laughs> a very merry birthday to you. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder what you're at. Up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky. Now to round off our evening, real quick, we were going to review two other television shows that kind of um, showed the future, I was wondering, audiences, what they could look forward to. So we have one show where we're visiting the Walt Disney Studios, and we have another show um, where they're showcasing the music. So actually, the first show that um, premiered was the Fred Waring show. Now, my dad... <laughs> and, and, for, and for some people from the 70s that are listening to this who the heck is fred warning exactly <laughs> unfortunately his name has gone to the wayside uh but like my dad knew who that was because that was a show he would see um in his preteen and teenage years uh so this show the fred warning show uh premiered on march 18th 1951 and it was um Brought to you by the industrial family of GE. From machines that power America's progress to everyday conveniences for your home, you can put your confidence in General Electric. Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians for General Electric. A full hour of musical enjoyment representing one of America's great industrial families and planned for your pleasure by Fred Waring. Hello, everybody, and thanks again for inviting us in. We've brought along some friends tonight. But uh, even if we crowd the living room a little bit, don't send the children to bed as yet because your extra guests are small too and will hardly mind sitting on the floor. Uh, you'll see because uh, later in the show we are forsaking the usual magic of General Electric and its wonderland of modern living for the wonderland of Alice, the March Hare, and the Mad Hatter. Yeah. Tonight, through the enthusiastic cooperation of Walt Disney and his staff, we're presenting the delightful music from the motion picture Alice in Wonderland for the first time in television and we're introducing you to Alice herself, Kathy Beaumont and the Cheshire Cat, Sterling Holloway, who came along to help us. So this Wait, was a GE commercial I just, show. I just realized it, it also sponsors the, the Rudolph special. Oh, did GE also sponsor Rudolph? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. There's our tie-in for Rudolph. Uh, so 
this was interesting. So this was just music that they were premiering, but they kind of did like a little live action with it. And it looks like he had like a, a big cast of uh, fairly good singers that were bringing some of the songs, but they also had Catherine Beaumont and Sterling Holloway on the show. Um, so, Ryan, I thought you said you have seen this. Yes, I had seen parts of it before. I didn't see the whole thing through. Okay. Yeah, I'd seen parts of it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, if you Google One Hour in Wonderland, it, it kind of comes up as one of the videos listed there for One Hour in Wonderland. So it could be yeah. easily confused with One Hour in Wonderland. Yes. Yeah. Be so careful. Yeah. Some people may think, it, for social media, some people may think it's like part two or something. Yes. It is not yeah. a part of One Hour in Wonderland at all. No. No, no, no. No, no. Not at all. And, but it's, it is very, it's interesting, that felt too. Fun. Mm-hmm. Now, what I thought was interesting with this show is they gave a huge nod to Mary Blair for helping with the costume and set decoration, which is very interesting because I thought that a lot of the stage design that they used in this short really reminded me of the Alice in Wonderland ride that uh, would open in the park in, is it 1956? The Alice ride opened? It didn't open the year. I think it opened. Yeah, it was not an original attraction. Um, um, uh, and I will actually have to look it up okay. to see when it came in that Disney attraction. 1958, so a few years afterwards. Okay, so the three summer, years later. June, June 14th, 1958. Yeah. So I really think that they took, like, the people who designed that ride definitely knew about the show, definitely had seen Mary Blair's set design, and definitely took all those ideas and incorporated them into the ride, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, they have a lot of the, the people who are regulars on the Fred Waring show dress up. A lot of them are face characters. You know, they have, um, except for the white rabbit, that is a full... Um, mask yeah. that he has on. Yeah. And there's a uh, lot of characters in. Uh, like he, uh, like the actor, he has like this this book, written mask that can probably scare the life out of out of your kids if you're being the Easter Bunny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so not the best head created. <laughs> but uh, they also took a lot of. Um, liberties with the characters that were on the show yeah, like it, it looked like something that was that was preparing to be used for, for the ice the ice capsules capades ice capades. capades oh that's funny yeah so they took a lot of liberties with the characters that were represented from Alice in Wonderland because they went well into the book like yeah. um that you know they they had like the duchess the duchess is in alice in wonderland book but it's not in the movie i know for yeah and, one examples and of course like he led like the the heart kingdom which looked like it would be the queen's family like why does one look like a princess of hearts and oh that, yeah that's yeah, probably another character and, and like it could like it could look like the could look like the the king of hearts shine off off of his head, off off of his head. Uh huh. So you see, yeah, you see a lot of um, 
a few changes that you might see in this. Now, because they yeah, have... Yeah, then you're seeing some, some animal here, and, and you're... Like, is that the Dormouse? Why isn't she wearing a mask? Oh, because it's a face character, the Dormouse? Yeah. And I I think I like the the walruses. The walruses, like, he had, like, he, he smoking, smoking mirror bankers or something. Oh, yeah, he didn't really look like a walrus. He looked like more like a mare or a... a a banker, yeah, a handlebar mustache. <laughs> now, was he smoking on the TV show? Well, he had a cigar in for maybe he just he just had oh, a just cigar had in his hand for All right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was smoking. That was not a thing back no, because they actually had cigarette commercials with people smoking back then. So, so you know, they had Sterling Holloway on the show. So you see him as the Cheshire Cat um, singing. You have Catherine Beaumont also um, singing on the show. And Catherine Beaumont is not known for her singing voice, but she does a lovely job anyway. <laughs> and, you know, and even they were incorporated into Alice in Wonderland, her, her not being able to hit certain notes. And they sing the song, I give myself very good advice, but I seldom ever follow it. Uh, it's like when she, when, she re- when she hits the note, I should. That's where it feels like she's going f- through some thin pipe. Like, <laughs> thin pipes. <laughs> like, they're doing this to know how tall that she is. I, I mean, for the looks of, of Amer- American and British audience. Okay. Now, it, one of the funny things I, I thought about uh, with Sterling Holloway that you'll notice is, um, I, I, did he have, I don't think he had a hat on in the beginning. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, no. No, so he doesn't have... So he's the cat. So he's dressed kind of from the neck down as a cat. And he doesn't have anything on his head at this point. And I was trying to figure points from my Lion King play. Oh, how some people had hats and some people didn't? or With with my hoodie, not liking it. Oh, yeah. So Fiona, you know, in her theater play, she did not like... um, She had a a kind of like a whole hat covering her head. like And it went together under her chin and she did not like that feeling at all well this is why this is why i don't i don't dress fame to africa yeah or animals well yeah (laughs) sterling holloway and her have the same sensory issues apparently (laughs) you'll see varying moments when sterling holloway has the cat head on and you can see him in the moment it coming off him Taking the effort of taking it off of his head because he did not enjoy the feeling of having that on his head at all. Yeah, at first I I didn't see Sterling being being the voice of Wayne the Wayne the Pooh uh-huh. because I guess I wasn't paying attention to the cast and and it it just felt like voices changed throughout the years. Well, you can hear Winnie the Pooh in his voice for sure. Well, yeah. So you know they sing that song and then. Um, they have the tea party. And I thought, one time I thought, I thought Ed and Jerry would be better for this. Oh, yeah, the tea party. So Edwin and Jerry Colonna are not on this show. So they filled them in with singers from Fred Waring's um, ensemble. And um, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's not the same. It gives you an idea of the song and everything like that. But then what was really interesting is they start reading the book, uh, Jabberwocky. That was the unbirthday gift. 
Like when you said that that was the most original script lyrics song like to have that much rhythm vised in your brain if you can play a little a little clip from the original recording. The the Fred Waring, the Jabberwocky song? N no, from nope. when when they were do doing doing the song. The Umberti? No, the deleted Jabberwocky song. When it's brillig and the slithy toes, Gyre and Gimble in the wave, and MC are the Baragos, and the mole rats out brave. Beware the jab, jab, jabberwock, the jub, jub, and the bandersnatch, all maxim and so frumious, with a big claws attached. Beware the jab, jab, jabberwock, that burbles in the toes he would with eyes of flamey whippled up little girls who won't be good yeah they have a jabberwocky song on this show that i've i'd never heard before but i've looked it up before i've, I've heard the original uh-huh and it, it had like this fee fi fo rhythm at, at, at first okay <laughs> and this is where you get watching it repeatedly and and I just think they were oh almost go, going too far with current versions with the story. Okay, so when you talk about current like versions with the story, what does that mean? It just feels like they they don't really feature the Jabberwocky that much. Well, they don't in the animation. They did in the Tim Burton one, but they didn't talk about the poem. They talked about the Jabberwocky though. So. They're doing a really jazzy version of it, and we kind of break in to seeing all the different characters coming across the stage. And then we see like a Jabberwocky fight going on uh, with a, I look like, I think that's where you talked about the Prince of Hearts character. Uh, it was Elias that commented about that. Oh, was it? Okay. Princess of Hearts when, when it was the big game for Queen Trunchbull, as I nickname her. No, oh, yeah. Or him. Yeah, and then you see the duchess and the baby that turns into a pig. <laughs> I was all like, wee 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 wee. Yeah, that's not. It just crawl crawls, like, like you wouldn't see that in in sudden in sudden. Yeah, like that's not in Alice in Wonderland, and it was very unexpected in the Fred Waring version of it. So then you see Catherine Beaumont and Sterling Holloway trying to interpret the Jabberwocky words. I don't know why. I guess it's a time filler until they hit the next song so everyone gets a break. <laughs> oh, so then as an unbirthday present for Fred Waring, they um, show him some of the drawings from the film. And then they kind of break into a medley of the rest of the Alice song. So you hear In a World of My Own and the main theme song Alice in Wonderland. Oh, and then at the end... They tie it all up and let you know that the Red Cross needs your help. So, Pardon? <laughs> so, no. At the end, they're no. yeah, asking you to donate to the Red Cross. Oh, so so what, what do they mean by that? Well, the American Red Cross, like the Red Cross goes into disaster areas and helps people out. Oh, okay. Can, so they kind of, at, at the end, they kind of go at the end, they go into to talking about how if you, to donate to the Red Cross. Like I'm thinking, if if they another play production, it it would be like something like this, or if 
If Walt, they canceled a stage production of The Wizard of Oz, this should, should be his replacement. So you're talking about The Wizard of Oz with the Mickey Mouse Club that he was going to do? Did you knew that? Yeah, I knew that. I, 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 no words. I, yes? I'm glad you knew that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got an A plus for that, knowing that, that Walt Disney was... Uh, Thinking of producing a version of Wizard of Oz with the Mickey Mouse Club. Did you know about that, Ryan? Mm-mm, no. Yeah, that was one of the things he was planning on doing with the Mickey Mouse Club, is doing a live-action Wizard of Oz with them, like with Annette Funicello. Oh, how interesting. Dorothy. I think I'm he just... even did a special on TV about it. Yeah, I saw one where he was with the cast, so okay. I, w I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think he did a little something-something, but, you know, that never... That never became of anything. He shelved that idea. Hmm. And I'm okay with him shelving that idea after seeing Babes in Toyland. Yeah, I think that's what got <laughs> the idea. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't think that would have gone anywhere or done any, any good for anybody. So did you have any takeaways from the Fred Waring show? Oh, I mean, it was... Yeah, uh, uh, it was interesting. Um... I mean, you know, I kind of found it, like, I, I, I kind of was really bored by it, to be frank, to be uh -huh. really honest. I was Whoa. just like, wow, this is, One Hour in Wonderland was a lot more interesting than this one. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting he chose to do this. I, I mean, it's kind of, it was, yeah. I'm sure had a huge viewership when it was, mm -hmm. when it was in its, its heydays, and I'm sure it was a really great marketing move to, to introduce people to the songs through this show. Um, it, it's, I, I mean, obviously they got who they could to be on the show. Catherine Bowman, obviously in her contract was readily available. You know, they got Sterling Holloway, you know, it would have been much better if they could have gotten Edwin. I'm sure Edwin's like, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Jerry Colonna was probably the same thing. Like, eh, I'm good. Thanks. So, but it was a good way to showcase the music. Um, yeah in it but uh I, I would rather probably just listen to like a uh, uh, recording of the music mm -hmm. <laughs> i can do without mm -hmm. some of it and, yeah you know, just, uh, you could take it or leave it you know without seeing this monstrosity how about y'all what did you think it's i i thought it was amazing <laughs> oh it's so funny because i'm like <laughs> that's awesome i'm glad you loved it yeah uh, it's so good that I don't want it to stop. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Well, ha pausing point. That's I, awesome. I don't, I don't think we often want to talk about what what happens when we were. What did it. you like about it? What did you What did you find fascinating with it? Yeah, what did you find fascinating about Fiona? I just thought it just feels like a, a whole. It just feels like they just record a whole, a whole play place segment. Uh, of, of the film. Mm -hmm. There you go. I think Fiona enjoys um, older genre of shows and productions. Besides me, I just watched like a whole special episode of Disney on Parade. Well, there you go. And I know you're gonna say it. Those those were all wacky. <laughs> well, they sure were in interesting, and I'm glad you enjoy them. I'm glad that you find value in them and think they're great. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So the Fred Roaring show was in March, and then in June, 
So we have December, we skipped January and February. March, we got hit again with the Fred Roaring Show. And then in June, we have a four-star review segment that Walt created. And this one is called... Operation Wonderland. Or <laughs> yes. Operation in Wonderland. Yeah, so Operation Wonderland. The Walt Disney Studio in California is a charming little place that looks more like a junior college or a high school campus than a Hollywood motion picture lot. It was lunchtime, so I had to look around for the boss. I had a hunch he might be tinkering around somewhere with his pet steam train. There he is, Walt Disney. Hi, Walt. Walt yelled over to me that he'd meet me on the soundstage. And this is very reminiscent of um, The Reluctant Dragon. So we're, we're jumping all over the Walt Disney Studios and seeing how things are being produced and how, seeing how things are wrapping up for this production. And Walt, of course, is traveling via one eighth inch steam train Lily Bell around the studio. So I'm assuming they set this, his steam train up just for the production of this short is what I get because it's not there it was at his house so they had to move in a lot um, of track <laughs> for this so we start like I said like steam uh, Walt's on his steam train and Walt explains the walrus and the carpenter and Ward Kimball um, is working on the the live action artist rotoscope of this and so you know they, they would have real actors come in and act out the scenes for them so they could get all the movement that they needed for that scene. How someone would move, actually physically move through that, that scene. Well, yeah, all I need is to put a bunch of, put a bunch of bag, baggy pants for the walrus. Yes, lots of baggy pants for the walrus, sure. It was, a rather, it was a larger individual for the walrus, for sure. And then we see the story room, um, Garden of Live Flower Scenes Storyboard. Uh, so this was the, you know, the golden afternoon. Yeah, I think that song. that's like my favorite song, along with Wonderland song itself, because really they, they feel so welcoming. Uh huh. I, I well, I know one time I, I said the Disney daffodils line line as there are drips of butterflies and drama, <laughs> and probably listening to that line. And oops, I got that line wrong. So but that, that happens a lot. That, that that's the purpose of Disney songs, knowing the lines more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that happens a lot to all of us where we don't get the words correct when we're younger and then learn them later on. This is my own recording version. Mm-hmm. So then we head back to the train because, you know, there's a train set up all the time right down the middle of the roads <laughs> so i'm assuming all the roads were closed for this shot too mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah walt shows um how you shoot a scene so he's showing how they put in 
a, a still, take a picture, take it out, and then put the next one in. And what's fascinating is he's actually doing this himself to show. So I thought that was pretty cute how he's doing it. Wait, like on, on, the, on the train he's, he's shooting? No, no, they go into the room where they shoot the film, where they have the background, and then he shows how they put one in, individual cell. Sorry, okay, I said so fly. That, cell. That camera. Yeah, well, and this is just a straight-on camera. This isn't the, um, what's the really tall camera? Yeah, this rotoscope. not, not the, the multiplane. Yeah, the <laughs> multiplane, not the rotoscope. That goes in a circle. Oh no, rotoscoping is what they do to. I'm winning. <laughs> rotoscope is what they do when they copy people's movements from film. I was thinking of the zodotrope. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It spins around. <laughs> So the multi-plane, they're not showing the multi-plane camera. So they're just showing your very flat, two-dimensional world. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they really use the multi-plane camera much in Alice. Maybe the opening? Maybe, yeah. So they go back to the train, and you see Catherine Beaumont um, dressed in Alice. This girl must was constantly dressed as Alice in every single production. So um, they, I hope she had more than one. <laughs> and what's funny is she's doing algebra which I thought well that's nice we're doing algebra that's <laughs> one right. for me very nice and then we see um, Edwin we go to a room where they're recording voices and we see Edwin and uh, Jerry was Jerry. it Jerry Colono doing Jerry their Colonna. lines <laughs> then we go back to the train oh yeah okay so we see um Okay, so they go back to it, and then we see them doing um, more scenes, the cards um, acting out. Oh, acting out their parts. So they're doing more rotoscoping, basically, how, like, the cards would, how would you move in the, how would cards move in real life. And we see ma the Mary Blair images, and then we do, we see the multiplane ca camera in this scene. So we, um, so there are obviously some scenes in Alice that where the multiplane ca uh, camera was, definitely use I'm, I'm sure when alice is walking down paths and yeah, like the opening scene we were talking about where they're going through the town and then they visit my favorite part the foley artists i love foley artists <laughs> you're on them yourself i love i love people who make sounds out of nothing you know oh what would make rain what could the sound of rain oh. can we create that and then we see the um an off with her head scene um by mary blair and then we're back on the train, and Walt says goodbye. So this is probably with like some some Hollywood studios ride, if, if you can. Well, it's a very quick version of the Reluctant Dragon. Well, yeah, they did. They did actually repeat some clips from from the, from that movie. From One Hour in Wonderland, or from Operation Wonderland. Oh, Operation Wonderland. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think so? Yeah, the rain. Oh, the oh they did. So the Foley artist was was cut from Relict uh, the Reluctant Dragon movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Recycling. So, what did you think about that, Fiona? Uh, I think it, it wasn't slow at all. It was no, no. It was very quick. Very quick. So like, I almost didn't need to see it at all. <laughs> oh, okay. So this wasn't really didn't add anything to it. You? Mm, sort of. Yeah. I don't think it, yeah, I didn't really add anything, but it was fun. It was a little fun trip down the studio. So you watched this one, right, Ryan? I did. I liked seeing kind of like the studio the way it was back in the 50s. I enjoyed seeing Walt ride around on the lily bell. That was kind of fun. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of the behind the scenes of the film. 
mm-hmm. of a, you know, a filmmaking process. So, um, I thought this one was this one was enjoyable for me. Yeah, yeah, and I like how it was short and really yeah. kept to the point quickly and got through it. And watching Walt ride around on the lily bell is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh All my right. gosh! Yeah. I know. So yeah, so those like kind of those three together kind of um, gave you very different views, different, di- quite different productions. And then Alice in Wonderland was released on July 28th in 1951. And like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an 81%, which to me, and then audience is 78%, which is kind of surprising to me because people seem really um, polarized about this movie. I mean, it is hard. Alice in Wonderland is hard to bring to life in the theaters, I think, because it is, there's so many abstract concepts and so many Whoa, strange yeah, things happening. Yeah, I've, I've read about that. Yeah? Yeah. That, that some things were like too humongous to animate at first. Yeah, it is. There's just a lot of, and like I said, like there's a lot of stories that aren't in the animated movie that are, that are in the book. But I, I think it, I think they did a, a really, the Disney Studios did a really well, a job really well done on this one. I like it. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it immensely as a child. I thought it was very, very fun and very, very easy to follow. And I mean, made sense. I mean, the Queen, you know, Queen of Hearts is scary. Yeah, but within Alice, feel feels like she has a influence. Okay. To not dream that much for school being being hard for her. I think she's she's making her own friends. Like mom's, you said on Armadillo publishing uh-huh making tough choices with friends and how to to talk with them can sometimes lead to your own and head clear battles along with the other autismers that have a clear uh of familiars and with my playmates but then just end up doing whatever they want so that that why I think Alice is one of the perfect girls for me besides that she's not meant to be some some Dumbo reload reout Rout? Okay. Rout. <laughs> I mean if if she's I I mean if she's met clearable even if people think she did do a great job on on her adventuring at first in in simple places well for well for being product productive i shouldn't tease myself that i fell in love with sleeping beauty because aurora did, didn't do that much oh so you're talking about how um how women mostly be heroes oh so you see alice as a hero in this movie in the middle in but, the middle? Okay, but more than, like, Sleeping Beauty? Because she doesn't do a whole lot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Alice is more heroic than most princesses. I think princesses are meant to be heroic. All right, so, well, I'm talking about the princesses back... Yes. ...in the past, not modern, the modern-day um, animation. Yes, but not... But we won't... We don't mean, like, Tim... I'm not focusing on Tim Burton or or, or Warriors. Yeah. 
So you like how she has an imagination and she goes into her own world? I guess. Yeah, because you do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Ryan, do you have any parting thoughts? I would give this one probably like maybe three and a half Mickey ears for me. And I enjoyed it. And I think, I think you know, if you like the behind the scenes kind of thing, it's worth yeah. a look. The just Operation Wonderland? Yeah. Operation mm-hmm. Wonderland. Yep. Um, and then just as a whole, it was fun getting just to watch all of these television specials and just kind of like where TV was in the early 1950s. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, it is fascinating. So I think they're, it's worth looking at. And especially if you're a Disney fan, I think you'd like them. If you're a yeah. big Disney fan. And if you like Alice in Wonderland, you definitely will like it. This is it's just fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. I mean. I've, I've met a lot of Girl Scouts. I, I, I think they were bringing on that. They like Alice? I think. Yes. Yeah. I feel it's one of the more quirky films. It's more independent. I mean, I mean, for people trying to focus on the, the, the real, they say the real girls as the, the princess is saying to be the real girls. Yeah, I don't really know if they consider her a, a I don't think she's really considered a princess, but she Mm-mm. she's more of a, a typical typical girl growing up and facing her fears and having you know interesting adventures. Yeah, Operation Wonderland is probably of the the three that we talked about tonight is probably my favorite. It'd go Operation Wonderland, and then One Hour in Wonderland, uh, One Hour in Wonderland, and then the Fred Waring special. So yeah, I think that was a, that was if if they were if they were all ma- mashed together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd give Operation Wonderland probably three, and the Fred Waring like a, a two. I was getting a little antsy oh, at the end there. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now it feels like I'm never going to sh- show you a 50s play ever again. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's fascinating. It's good to watch once. I'm kind of rating on it. Am I going to watch it again? Eh, probably not. Nothing Babes in Toyland-esque. No, no, nothing that reached the Babes in Toyland. For sure, but... All right, Fiona, are we good? Yeah. All right, I think we're good. <laughs> Potopolis, uh, we have a special guest that Fiona requested her grandfather to come on tonight and talk about Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanias. Uh, we just got done discussing uh, the Fred Waring, uh, Waring show and also the um, Operation Wonderland show that came out in 1951, about two to three months before the movie was released. And we really, and Fiona really wanted to focus in on Fred Waring because her grandfather had actually heard of this guy. And so she was pretty happy about that because, you know, I hadn't. (laughs) So anyway, so we're going to talk to my dad, Fiona's granddad, about this. So to start off, I kind of wanted you to explain, um, I mean, this is the early days of television, 1950, 1951, and, and um, kind of explain in your neighborhood what was going on at that time, like who had televisions, who didn't have televisions, and if it was like a common thing. Well, in my particular neighborhood, which was 
uh, East Costa Costa County in uh, Oakland, in the, in the greater Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area. They were worse. We were, some of the neighbors were starting to get televisions. And probably one of the first televisions uh, in the neighborhood was um, uh, a couple of bo uh, by the parents, the Alexanders, who were the parents of um, Jim and Mike Alexander. And what we did was that we would go over to the Alexanders' house to watch television, since they had a television. Well, it turns out that there was enough kids in the neighborhood, and the houses were small in our neighborhood. They, you know, mostly were two bedroom, one bath house, or maybe three bedroom, one bath house, 850 to 900 square feet. That's small. That is small. <laughs> we were, we're talking, sure. and it, this was a blue collar neighborhood for the most part uh, of that particular era. Now, the, the, what, would, what really uh, transpired was that the Alexanders had so many kids wanting to come over and watch television in their living room that they would limit the number that could come in. And so you could go over and watch television for an hour, and then when the hour is up, you had to leave, and then the next set of kids would come in. This is how it worked. Uh, you know, and this is probably, we're talking the 49, 50, 51 time frame. Uh, yeah. My parents didn't get a television. I'm almost absolutely positive until 53. So you would have been 13. I was the, right around 13 when they got it. I okay. was a, I was in eighth grade when they, when they finally got a television. Well, I can feel a little tiny, tiny bit of your pain because I didn't have cable until my senior year of high school. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Very yeah. tiny. However, it was it, it was in our particular neighborhood. In order to get TV reception, of course, the, the cable was wasn't even even in the picture. <laughs> you, we had, and then the San Francisco Bay Area. There were actually at this point in time probably three channels: ABC affiliate, uh, NBC affiliate, and a CBS affiliate. In order to get the reception, you had to have about a 15-foot antenna on the top of your house. Well, I'm trying to think, where are they broadcasting from? Because you're on the other side of the mountains from yeah. or the, the, Oakland area. That is correct. The, the, the town, the, they were broadcasting basically from San Francisco. Okay. And uh, <laughs> the reception was really iffy. Now, on the other hand, there was two stations in Sacramento, which was 90 miles the other way. Oh, gotcha. All right. But in order to get them, you'd have to turn your antenna so it would line up with their signal that was being sent. Excellent. <laughs> and if you did that, you couldn't get the San Francisco channels. And this is, we're, and we're talking middle 50s now, middle yeah. to late 50s. Uh, so that was what the television situation was like. And as a result, television uh, was, you know, a very uh, different thing, and it was very. It was people watched it just to, to see to see what was on. You know, another thing, we're used to these giant screen televisions today. The Alexander's first television was fourteen inches, okay. diagonally. Diagonally, gotcha. So really tiny. And my my parents got the biggest available at the time. It was a twenty-one inch. Diagonally. <laughs> diagonally. That's awesome. All right, the television in those days were CRTs. Okay, what's a CRT? Cathode ray tube. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, they, they, are, they transmit, it was an analog, and you would send, okay. and, and it basically it sends little pixels onto the screen. 
and these little pixels form the picture, and they're being shot onto the to the, the screen from okay. the back of the, the of the of the uh, screen. So the CRT tubes and the, and they also had a series of other tubes in the set. And one of the problems you had is that tubes would keep going out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So your television would essentially break. Cool. And this was normal. Well, okay. And, <laughs> and uh, of course, the big thing was that people would get upset when their tube would break. And, uh-huh. and, learn, and at that particular point in time, there would be stores that almost specialized in television tubes among electronic stores and they would carry big big supplies of tubes and <clears throat> a lot of those two tubes in any tv set most of them were pretty standard okay whatever brand you had it was pretty standard set of tubes was it something like you screwed in or it popped in you or? would plug them in plug them in okay yeah these are all plug-ins and they all had little prongs on the end of the tubes and gotcha. just, so changing them out wasn't a real big deal typically but you had to be careful with some because you could get electrocute yourself. Excellent. So it's, <laughs> that's the reason why TV repair business was a big business. Okay. And you would have a TV repairman come out and he would figure out which tubes were, weren't working. Or if it wasn't a tube, then you really needed him. Okay. So uh, as a result, the TV repair business was a big business. The tubes were big, etc. However, when flat screens came in around 2000, uh, well, no, one didn't know, not scratch that. When uh, when solid state electronics came into being, that eliminated the tubes, and also the, the give you higher reliability on your on your television. Okay, so what year was that? The well, the, that really was in the '60s. The oh, transition okay. from tubes to solid state electronics and televisions occurred in the '60s. Uh, it's and it was it was a gradual process because they would what they were coming out with a lot of hybrid sets partly transistors solid state electronics and partly tubes and eventually some they some of them went to just all transistors and solid state okay of course today if you have a single chip which is basically driving <laughs> everything whole different world anyhow yes. so that, that was the world of television in those days no cable you were getting everything off of your antenna so what kind of shows were you watching at your friend's house just whatever was on or yes okay <laughs> <laughs> a lot of westerns gotcha a lot of old westerns now were these mm. produced for television or were these movies they were both Okay. There were movies, and then they started producing the television ones. For example, The Lone Ranger. You've heard of The Lone Ranger. I have heard of The Lone Ranger. It was a radio, radio show okay. that they also came out with a, a television version of it. Gotcha. And uh, so with, tele, uh, with radio, you, of course, they could do anything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they could. <laughs> they could tell you in the story. And television got more complicated. Yeah. Since you're doing so it became a visual rather than a sound. But... The westerns were very, very popular in the 50s. They, were, they came out by the bucket loads. And uh, that was the most important, uh, shall we say, popular genre on television. Okay. Now, the Walt Disney Show came out. And Walt Disney, on Sunday night, an hour-long show, and <clears throat> what they started off doing was showing you them building Disneyland. Yes, kind so, of brilliant. They basically got paid to do a free ad. Mm-hmm. 
It was all hype and ad, and they won an Emmy for it. Of course they did. That's, that was about <laughs> 53, roughly. 53, 54 times. Oh, yeah. Time. So you would have had a television at that point. That's right. Okay, so you started watching that at home. Yeah, we used to watch it. I mean, it, it, it uh, and of course, it's, everything's in black and white at this point in time. we got to keep that in mind. 50s are all black and white. We really didn't get into the color until the 60s. Okay. And uh, a, tele, a, a colored television set, and it was a cathode ray tube television set in probably, say, 63, 64 time frame, mm -hmm. cost $600. Okay. That's a lot of money. And for a 21-inch <laughs> television, yes, it is. <laughs> or maybe it might have been a giant 23-inch instead of a 21-inch. Anyway, you know, in that day, that's a, yes, that was a lot of money. In fact, $600. Now, I was was out of college, and I was working as a computer programmer at Aerojet General. That was my initial salary at Aerojet General in 1963 was $550 a month. A television, color television, cost $600 a month. It was more than I made in a month. Yeah. Compared to today, <laughs> you could go down to your almost any Walmart or Target or Costco and get a 50-inch television, flat screen, for probably two to three hundred dollars anymore. Yes, pretty pretty reasonable. Very reasonable. Very cheap. Anyway, that's where television was in the 50s. That is to say that we were looking at. You know, 14, 15 inch televisions, 16, 17, 18, finally up to 21 inch. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, a lot of people, what uh, television stores, and the television were, stores were sold basically in stores or privately, you know, mm -hmm. little entrepreneurs. And they would have, well, for example, in their oh, uh, the, um, the window uh, that. Uh, they would face the street, they would have an array of televisions and they would actually have television programs playing on their televisions. This is to attract people's attention to the television. They were trying to sell televisions and they were showing you know, their product in action. Yeah. No sound, but you could see <laughs> it. And uh, I can remember it was, uh, one, there was a television shop right across the street from the Presbyterian Church which sponsored my Boy Scout troop. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, the, the meeting started at 7. And at 6.30, there was a show for, oh, back in the 50, 51 time frame, 52 time frame. There was a show called Victory at Sea. Okay. In the 20, and they, the 26 episodes in this particular show. And it was about World War II. And the music by was Richard Rogers. Richard Rogers. <laughs> and they... Uh, what, what the, the show came on at 6.30. And so, or I went, would go to the Boy Scout meeting, I would go a little early, so I would catch the... Uh, Victory at Sea Victory show? Victory at Sea show. Excellent. That's awesome. But anyhow, that was a whole different era. A whole different era. Today, you and you could call those kind of shows up off of demand or off of... On your on, phone. On your phone, you could <laughs> do it any way you want. Yeah. It's a, a whole different world. 
Yeah, I saw a joke. Um, it, well, even my growing up in my my generation, watching you know shows in the early early eighties and well, all through the eighties and seventies and stuff like that, um, they have this meme going around Facebook talking about you know if I missed a show, I missed it forever. <laughs> <laughs> now there was always the hope that they played it again in the summertime. But you had to make sure you got that right week lined up with the one show that you missed. <laughs> so, but yeah, I yeah, it's just really funny how you can just like any show. Like I've been watching Magnum PI. <laughs> yeah. It's, you can. That's right. They're and there. It's just there. It's amazing. But yeah, so it's such a different world. And I think that's one of the most iconic pictures that you see back from the early 50s is all the kids with their faces plastered to the store window looking up the television screen. Yes, that, that was that was a reality. <laughs> that was a reality. Even a little Concord at that time, which was little at the time. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> but that, you know, that's obviously changed. But uh, going to... Talk about Fred Waring? We are going to talk about Fred Waring. Yeah, so this whole conversation was started because Fiona was um, so interested in all of the TV shows that they did for Alice in Wonderland, and, um, which I thought was fascinating how fascinated she was with it. But she likes like the Fred Waring. That like really that speaks to her, that type of show, that type of music. It's very calming, very relaxing for her. And so, you know, she's very excited that you knew about Fred Waring. And, you know, she wanted me to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, because you had heard of it. Mm -hmm. Like, like where did this guy come from? And why was he on television in 1951? And, and why was Walt using him? It's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because of, well, Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians was a combination orchestra and chorus. He was, yeah, he yeah, was sure. kind of innovator in the idea of working in chorus with, with uh, bands. Okay. Choral music with bands. And if you look, and Alice in Wonderland is probably an outstanding example of that. Because if you it really, is. if you listen to the music uh, in the film, and just pay attention, there's choral music mixed with uh, uh, semi-orchestra music, if I like to refer to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the whole music sco scope mm -hmm. because it essentially is telling the story at the same time as playing music. Yeah. And, and the choral part is, it's very, you know, very new. And that was his, um, uh, I guess you call it his claim to fame, especially on the choral side. He was very innovative in that area. He originally started out as a band. Uh, in fact, his first band was called uh, Fred Waring and his banjo band. Back in the 1920s, Banjos. not that back in the 1920s, 1923. Okay. And uh, he he uh, evolved into Fred Warren in the Pennsylvanians because he was from Pennsylvania. That's where that comes from. That would, that mm -hmm. you, yeah, you had to have some connection to Pennsylvania. I, I thought maybe the show was out of Pennsylvania even. Well, uh, it, it could it have been. I think it, well, it was at points in, in time. Okay. The one of the things that, that was kind of interesting t to me about the, him is the fact that he kept evolving, and he got into radio pretty early. Okay, that's smart. That's right. I think he's in the, the early thirties, if if not even earlier than that. He probably was dabbling in it in the twenties, but there really wasn't the big networks, etc., until the thirties. Right. You were saying he was born in nineteen hundred. Correct. Right. So yeah. Okay. 
And so that he's already in his 30s. Mm-hmm. And when the, and at this point, he has an established band and you know with, with the choral group. And he had a radio show. He ran that radio show, I think, from it was the 30s all the way up into the middle of the late 50s. Uh, it could even be later. Uh, he um, was on television from 48 to 54, I believe. Something like that. Okay. And he started out with a one-hour show, and then the last few years they shortened it to a half-hour show. But you know, if this there was, they're looking for shows, and of course, at that particular point in time, the, the networks were not limited to three hours like they are today. They could do pretty much what they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, a lot more now. In fact, I can remember as a kid, it was there was the network shows lasted four hours. That's the reason why you had so many. Uh, shows like The Lone Ranger and The Cisco Kid and uh, Have Gun, Will Travel and, and uh, see, Bill Williams was the, the, the Kit Carson show. Uh, and, it, you know, I, for example, I can remember as, a, as going down to the, the uh, Rose Parade in Pasadena where they form it. There, there's an area that they always put together the parade. Mm-hmm. You know, they're forming the parade and they're, you know, the, and they're meshing the groups in together. Well, most of the people, you sit around and wait for, for, for hours, and then you march for two hours. That's how the Rose Parade works. Anyway, here's the point. At that particular point in time, all these TV shows and all these stars were would always appear in the Rose Parade. They oh, rode their funny. Yeah, you would see uh, Richard Boone, who played Have Gun, Will Travel, were uh-huh. always out there. Bill Williams, who was Kit Carson, would always be there. Uh, and the neat thing about it was they were very approachable. Well, they're uh, waiting in a, form, in a yeah. formation area, so you could actually walk up and talk to them. And these were TV stars. Yeah. And uh, so... But you didn't have the population in California that you do now. Uh, no. <laughs> no. But it, the, the LA, LA was... It was second, huge. It was huge. Second largest city in the country at the time. Yeah. So it, it's still big. But you're right. I mean, they didn't have the security concerns right, that right. you do today. So that everything was very, you, I mean, you could just walk up. Right. Or they were out walking, in the case of Bill Williams, and they say to him, and they would say, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, so it, it, was, it was a different, different era. Yeah. Different era. They're very sure. approachable. And the point being is that they, all these shows, and a lot of them were Westerns, uh, of course, Gunsmoke started in that era too, uh, which and it lasted forever. A lot of these others never made it out of the fifties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Fred Awareness Pennsylvanians was it was it was a show that was good and uh, it was almost like um, there were several other kind of musical choral type shows uh, that came in in the late in the sixties. The guy with I'm trying to think of his name. He had a had a, a beard, uh, and had a bunch of old men chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. Can't recall his name. Oh boy. Anyway, it was it was good. It was a popular show. Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming it was on later in the evening. I'm not really really sure, just because I remember him saying on the show, you know, oh keep the kids up because. We're going to have this show tonight. So um, 
I'm assuming this was a show for uh, an older audience. Not it wasn't right. necessarily a kids show. No, it would it would have been later because of the of that. They uh, and it would have been later for an older audience, but a more mature audience. Not for the reasons they do it today, <laughs> but no. simply because the no. kid, little kids, a lot of that that type of music. Uh, was not real popular with the kids. It wouldn't keep their interest. It wouldn't have kept their interest. Yeah, yeah. But you throw a bunch of people in Alice in Wonderland costumes and boy howdy. <laughs> right. That'll do it for sure. No, yeah, I, I could really see how, you know, Fred, we're doing a show on the Alice in Wonderland because of the mixture of the, okay. of the mixture of the vocals as well as the orchestra. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I was also um, surprised to see that there is a record out there. Like, he um, used this evening to produce a record. So, he must have, obviously, he got Disney's approval um, to do that. And you were saying this was a common thing he did. He was really big into recordings. He was very big in recordings. Smart. And sold millions and millions of records over the years. Uh, <clears throat> That were that was back in the days of the seventy eights. That's when he started seventy eight RPMs. Oh, okay, okay. And of course, as you know, time went on. He continued to record, and mm -hmm. it was done on the forty fives, and probably and probably more on the thirty three and the thirds. Okay, cool. Well, Fiona won't be getting that album anytime soon because the lowest price I saw was one hundred and ten dollars on eBay. So <laughs> I'm thinking maybe not. Because she's not going to put it on a pretty shelf and let it sit there. She's going to use it. She plays it. Oh, yeah. She definitely plays it, for sure. It's almost like that type of thing where you you play it once and you record it. Uh-huh. And on, uh, yeah, you record it on tape or, or whatever. MP3 you know, it. MP, yeah. And play it off of that. Yeah, but she wouldn't want to do that. No, she has a phonograph. <laughs> she wants to play it in her room. And on played on her phonograph. Yeah, I think she really enjoys that soothing sound of the needle on the record. It Oops. works. It works. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us tonight, and I hope our listeners enjoyed that little uh, flashback into time. <laughs> so have a good one. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us again for another episode of Diz Podopolis. I hope you enjoyed our little trek down memory lane and the beginning of the social media and marketing campaign that Walt did for his uh, movies and the three different ones that we talked about, the Operation Wonderland, the Fred Waring Show, and the One Hour in Wonderland. Um, I truly enjoyed watching uh, those Productions. I hope you can go out and watch them also. All right, Ryan, why don't you say goodnight to everybody? Well, thank you for listening to another one of our podcasts. We really um, enjoy having our listeners. Uh, you can get a hold of me at ryanflint underscore edu on Twitter. Um, you can also follow us on YouTube too. We get a video up every now and then there. We so, do. Um, just fun ways to connect with us and Colleen. Oh, I want to say good night to uh, my mom and Aunt Dolores. Uh, I would like to say a a, a, a big how about a big good night to, to Grandpa. Okay, and, yeah. And for the folks that think I look like Alice. 
Yes, yes. So we will definitely put up some pictures on our website and maybe and um, also on our um, Instagram and our Twitter account when we get this this show up and going. And you guys can take yes. a look at how beautiful Fiona looks as Alice. It is precious. Mm. I thought it was yeah. great. Wait, so you're going to post it on from my Halloween pictures or day yeah. to day. Oh, okay. I Absolutely. Were, yeah, I thought you were always good. I agree. You were always and good. put it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. you were always yeah. going to take a picture of me with the dress already. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think we mentioned before, yeah, Fiona is wearing the Alice in Wonderland dress that she wore last Halloween, but uh, she doesn't have her hair or her makeup done. So well, that, that she's would, just getting in the feeling of it. Well, that, that would be unnecessary. Yeah. So you can reach Fiona. Because we're not filming. No, we're not. You can reach Fiona on Instagram and Twitter as Fiona Toad Girl. And uh, she's also on um, Facebook as Fiona Artist, Fiona Hale Artist. And I would like to say goodnight to my mom and Aunt Lynette. And you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter as Tink Scout. And also I'm floating around Facebook. Which became very, very entertaining to me this last week because somebody started a high school group from my high school and it's um, 89, 90, 91, and 92 graduating classes. And I'm enjoying it immensely, this new group thing. So <laughs> good job, Facebook. Good job. <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed um, our evening. We enjoy you listening to our podcast and really appreciate you. And if you want to get a hold of uh, Dispodopolis, you can send us an email at comments at Dispodopolis. Uh, we also have an Instagram account and a Twitter account. It is all Disney pop posts that we do. Um, you might actually sometimes, we might accidentally slip in a personal one, like Brian will accidentally post something from his education. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> so you can learn all about his school district. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it. I like it. my school district. Yeah. <laughs> you go. So, any parting words, Fiona? Uh, maybe I'll try not to giggle that much in front of the diehard joke. The <laughs> diehard joke. Now it's time for a trip around the park and a kiss goodnight. <laughs>
Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie? Uh, oh, Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a good one. I'm, um, I'm sticking on. I think I'm gonna stick with on. I'm gonna be weird here. I'm gonna stick with on White Christmas. That's a good one. It, it is. It is a sad and maybe boring. Let's say it has a different speed than most people are used to nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Is that the one where they had the, where um, they dress in drag? They, no. Oh, that's. They don't. Well, they do. Yes, they do the in the beginning. They sing Sisters. Yeah, they sing the song Sisters. Love. Love that uh, scene. Yeah. yeah. Sisters. Sisters, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Caring, sharing, every little thing that we are wearing. When a certain gentleman arrived from Rome, she wore the dress and I stayed home. All kinds of weather, we stick together. Bing Crosby and Danny Kay. Yes, that scene is brilliant. Yeah, and they have it's Rosemary Clooney uh, as the main singer and uh, female, and then they had a dancer, another dancer. I cannot remember her name as the sister, but they they sang um, together and and drag. 
So it was fun. That's a fun one. And then they get on a train and go up to upstate New York. Because why not? Because they can. And yeah. upstate New York does not look like that nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, they sing a song, Snow. And it's fun. I like that. It's a good one. Good choice. Oh, Vera Ellen is the other girl. Vera Ellen. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. There we go. She was a well-known dancer. She she did was her voice. Dancer. She did not sing. She did not sing. Oh, it's not her sing. voice you hear. It is um, Rosemary Clooney's voice that you hear. Did they double up Rosemary Clooney's yeah. voice? Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes, yes, they did. Yes, yeah. yeah. Right, I'm cool. fairly certain that's what they did with her. Yeah. But if we're not noticing, it was a sad movie. It's like I was swiping around my tears. Oh, you were crying? No. Oh no. But sometimes kids don't know how to express their feelings in front of them uh, to tell the truth. I think I think I did cry at first for Frosty the Snowman. Oh, Frosty the Snowman? When you were little? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was the song that gets me. Well, it's just, it's a sad at the end. They have to part. Parting of the ways. All right. Well, now you need to ask Ryan what his favorite. Um, uh, Ryan, what, where are you going? Well, it probably is a well. I mean, it's a bit of an. I have I have one that I watch every year, and it's called Die Hard. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no! I've looked that up because it is not Christmas until John McClane saves Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> that's like my, my uh, I it. saw someone. I love cho- it. Cho- I love that, that Christmas. I love it. Yeah. So it's not a children's film. <laughs> no, our challenge. No. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home, Sue? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. They're as brilliant because I am interested in the six. But I know we're going off studio here, but to keep it in the Disney family, I say my favorite is also Mickey's Christmas Carol. which Good one, too. Yes. More family friendly than mine. Yes, yes. Uh, speaking of Die Hard, I, I just saw, I've never heard of this film, but I just I just saw someone use it for their, so, so track, um, add a letter in, in the movie, in the movie t- title, and it was Christmas edition, and they put it, Diet Hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. That's funny. I think that I've only seen Die Hard once, yeah. so... Oh, okay. Well, you know, I watch it yearly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good to know. Maybe so I'll check it out again. Christmas it was called Green, and I forgot what his friend his friend was called. Okay, what are you gonna say, Fiona? The YouTuber was called Green. He was another Minecraft YouTuber. Oh, okay. All right. He was mentioning Die Hard. Well, on one video. On one video. All right. Cool. That's funny. Yeah. She already took White Christmas, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of polar opposites, but, you know, still entertaining and fun. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Oh, man. Dispodopolis is a EFA Solutions production. All music and interviews remain the copyright of their respectful owners and are being used under the Creative Commons license law. 
All other content remains the copyright of EFA Solutions, LLC. This broadcast is not affiliated with Disney or any of the Disney properties, and the opinions expressed in this broadcast belong to the hosts and guests.